Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. Today's topic is how to save for retirement when you're also saving for short-term goals, like saving for an emergency fund, saving for college, or paying down debt. I'm joined by Ryan Victorin, Vice President, Financial Consultant. Ryan has worked as a financial consultant for 15 years and joined Fidelity in 2013. She works with high net worth families in the areas of investment strategies, retirement planning, and tax-efficient investing. Ryan maintains an in-depth understanding of the financial markets while working to effectively simplify and communicate complex financial concepts. She truly enjoys developing relationships with her clients and working collaboratively with them to help them achieve peace of mind regarding their wealth. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you are here. This episode was created in collaboration with Fidelity. Thank you, Fidelity, for sponsoring this podcast. Now let's get into it. Great. I'm ready. Let's do Let's do it. So Ryan, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you. I mean, your your description of me was wonderful, but you know, and in terms of context and really how I really help clients every single day is in the areas of comprehensive financial planning and wealth management. And as you can imagine, that means something totally different for every single family, every person, every couple that I work with. And really I try to focus on the education aspect of it and to help people get organized, understand where they are, create, implement, and maintain their financial plans to ensure that they're on track for what they're hoping to accomplish. And I know that everything I just said was full of my industry jargon. And so my goal in this podcast and anytime I speak with anybody is to just try to remove that jargon to try to make this so much more understandable and accessible to make it more of a conversation. And that's what I bring to my conversations with my clients every day. And I hope to bring to this to this discussion every single day as well. And I have to say, I am a huge fan of the podcast. I'm a follower. I'm a fangirl of everything. So I'm so excited to be here and to be able to communicate with your community. Excellent. Thank you, Ryan. Now I'm fangirling you. I love <laughs> the work that, that you do. And like I said, we're going to jump in a, l- a little bit further to talk about what the other work that you do within Fidelity. So financial education is something that not all families teach their children from a young age. Right. And so my question to you is, what age is the right age to start saving for retirement? It's such an important question. And I'm going to give an answer that is a little bit flip, which is right now, just start whatever age you are right now. (laughs) That's when to start. And the reason I say that is because sometimes when we give an age, say like, yeah, you should start as early as possible, of course. But also, If I give an age like you have to start by X or you have to start by Y age, then someone who's older than that might say, oh, too late for me. 
oh, I'm, it's inaccessible for me. And so, of course, as early as humanly possible, but there's also times in life where it's not accessible to even be able to save just because you're paycheck to paycheck or something like that. And then as time goes on, you get a little bit further along in your career, you get a promotion, you get a bonus, you say, wow, I really can save. So it's save as early as you can, as much as you can, as opposed to a, a particular age. But having the discussion at a young age, asking questions or talking to your children about it, or even talking to your parents about it also makes a ton of sense. Because you're right, not everybody really does talk about money and talk about finances and how much they have or how much they make. And it's almost like a taboo topic, as we've talked about, especially for women. And men do this on the golf course, right? Women do, first of all, do it on the golf course, go on the golf course and do it on the golf course. But I always encourage just talk about it. So it's, it's important to dig into the discussion. Yeah, it, it really, really is. My husband and I are Fidelity clients. We started our account once we got married in our 20s. We were mm, 26 when we got married. So I want to say that's when we were like, okay, now we're grownups and we're going to do grown-up things like get married and have an apartment and make investments and start saving for our retirement. Yeah, and it's it's awesome that you even came together to try to do that together. And some people really, really don't. So let alone not talking about it with families, but sometimes spouses don't even talk about it. Or what's really common is we talk about this as, as you mentioned before, another huge part of what I do is I'm a panelist on something called Women Talk Money, which is Fidelity's community of women, literally hundreds of thousands of women who come together to have this exact same discussion. And it's so funny how often we hear, well, I'm so busy that we divide and conquer, right? Like my husband does the investment piece and I do the all the everything else, period. <laughs> and so, because mm-hmm. <laughs> the moms do absolutely mm-hmm. everything or more generally, they, they maintain the day-to-day. You know, I go to the grocery store, I buy this, I buy that, I do the shopping or whatever. And then sometimes they're not even aware of where the accounts are and how you're saving and what the process is. So I think it's fabulous that the fact that you two as a team, especially in your 20s, made that conscious effort to say, we're going to do this together. We're going to be knowledgeable about it together and to actually start. It's awesome. That's awesome that you did that, especially in your 20s because these kids these days. (laughs) Wow, thanks. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So how can we decide how much to set aside for retirement, especially when, like you said before, like we're living life, right? So it's like we're paying for groceries, which I mean, inflation is bananas now. Anyway, we're paying for groceries. We're trying to set aside money for an emergency fund, for college, for our children. So like, how can we decide what to set aside? So you can see how it can get overwhelming quickly. Because you're trying to save for all the things, you know, at the same time and also just live your life. And so we have some general guidelines. And at at Fidelity, we like to say you want to save about 15% of your income. And I get it. I get that that's a a general thing to, to try to get to. One, that seems sometimes completely unattainable to a lot of people. So I always say just start. But there's also this hierarchy that you want to go through from a financial planning perspective is first, if you are working and you have access to a 401k and there's something called a match 
at a 401k. That means your company puts in money and that is part of your compensation, but you only get it if you put money in too. So you want to make sure that you are putting and contributing into your company match that's inside of a 401k, okay? So that's the first thing. And then the other thing that's really important is an emergency fund. And that is to, and we're going to talk about especially when times are a little rocky in the economy as well, you want to make sure there's an emergency fund to cover in the event that one or two of you, if you're both working, loses a job or God forbid, both jobs, where you want to make sure that you can maintain your expenses and keep you know, moving forward and you don't have this panicky type of moment and you get a little bit of breathing room. Or even if you want to make a job change, sometimes we don't talk about the, the good version of a job change is, wow, I want to step away or I've had this corporate job and I want to go be a content creator and I want to be on the social medias and I want to step away from this or launch a business, but I don't know if I have this padding behind me to actually do it, right? And that's what an emergency fund can also actually provide. But more specifically is how do you figure out how much to set aside? That's going to be a coming down to your cash flow. And that's one of the whoop, but jargony buzzword moment. Cash flow <laughs> is what type of income do you have coming in? How much money are you making? What type of expenses are going out? So what are you spending? And what's the difference? And if you're spending more than you're taking in, that's a different discussion than if you're actually able to save. So your income is higher than the expenses are actually going out the door and you say, wow, I'm in this moment where I can start to save for my future. Where do we save for the future? And how far, or even not even for the future for a goal, how far is that goal? You know, are you like you two said, 26 and your retirement is at 65 and that's a long time. So you can start to add a little bit over time or we want to, let's say you wanted to buy a house. And it's in five years. That's a little bit of a different way to save and then invest for that goal too, which we'll talk about later, how that's a two-step process. So it comes down to what your specific picture is. An aspirational, I want to save at least 15% of my income, but it gets really specific really fast for how you can handle it for your own situation. Wow. That's so insightful because I've never really thought of it like that, but I'm glad now that you're getting my wheels turning. Yeah. So like what are some of our options given this economy? I mentioned inflation. Who knows what's going to happen in, in the economy in the next six months to a year? So what are our options? Yeah. And I would say it's about the options, but it's also where should I focus my energy right at this moment, right, is probably the way I would rephrase that, especially given where we are economically speaking, because sometimes people say I have to make a choice between retirement or between an emergency fund. I will say I, I never would want to say don't save for retirement, but if you don't have an emergency fund set up now, start one and try to get there. The reason I say that for where we are economically speaking is what tends to happen when we go through a recession, which we're not in quite yet. We don't know when it'll be, how long it'll be, how bad it will be at any given moment. Think of like March of 2020. Think of the finan in financial crisis in 2008. Those were recessionary time periods where they can get really rocky. And one of the main sort of symptoms of those eras of what we call the business cycle are layoffs. 
And so that's how it can affect the average American or just any American really broadly. And like I said before, having that emergency fund just gives you that sleep at night factor of if, you know, it's okay if I want to make a change, but what if that's not my choice (laughs) to make a change for a job? And how do we make sure we have that cushion? So right at this moment, I would try to ensure that you're really working towards that emergency fund. And the next, a common next question is how much? That's exactly what I was going to say, right? I was like, okay, what's the rule of thumb? Yeah. So rule of thumb, generally speaking, is three to six months of your expenses. Okay. But everybody has what I call a sleep at night number. Okay. And I'll tell you, my husband, if we don't have a year, he's panicked all the time. So the head has to hit the pillow. (laughs) But what I actually do notice for women as well, and this is just, I know it's broad, but, but sort of generally speaking is we work so hard for our money. Men do too. But to get to any sort of success, we've really had to work hard (laughs) for our money as women. And we are hesitant to let it go. And so sometimes, okay, I'm just going to keep it safe. I'm going to keep it in my emergency fund. And then the emergency fund gets too big. And we're not actually investing and having it grow. And we think that's protecting us, but it's actually actively working against us. And when we talk about closing that wealth gap, we got to invest, you know, to make sure that we're not only making as much as these men, but when we do, we're growing it in a prudent sort of way. So we want to make sure we don't go too much on the emergency fund. But so you have to kind of pin down at least the three to six months. But where are you also comfortable where you say, I can, I can breathe. (laughs) My anxiety is, is lower, you know, from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. That really got me thinking on on so many different things. It sort of reminded me of my mother, who was always very concerned about her emergency fund, and that you want to make sure that she is in fact taken care of in retirement. And I'm pleased to say that she did just in fact retire. Yay! Yay! Good for you, mommy. And she's enjoying her time now, and she's hanging out with her friends, and she feels safe and secure in her decisions. But it took her a while to get to that point. And I want to talk a little bit more about financial literacy. I mentioned it in the beginning of our conversation. I mentioned it now with my mom. Many times women don't necessarily have access to financial literacy, maybe in the way that we could have or should have. So like, where do we turn if we aren't well-versed in the financial world? Well, the first thing I would say, because I couldn't agree with you more, right? The number one thing I would say is it is totally okay for you not to be well-versed in the financial world. And to a degree, I start to say, you know, because we aren't taught this in school, unless you go to get a degree or certification like I have, right? Why would you know (laughs) to do any of this? You know, especially because whether we're moms or we're, you know, different specialties in the world, you got, you know, very, very good at doing what you do. If I said, hey, Terry, you know what you should do about, you know, content creation, you would, I would, I don't have an answer for you. I, it's not what I do in my day to day. So it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask for help. And I think there's so much available online. Of course, there's, especially at, on fidelity.com, there's, there's so much information, but I will say like, then it gets overwhelming because you don't even know where to start. 
And so I will say, again, the plug for Women Talk Money, this is what we talk about. We are literally in what is a 401k, an IRA? How do I save? How do I think about it? You know, that. so it's really coming back to finding whatever community really helps you learn about this. And the other thing too, because I, you know, as you started, I'm a financial consultant and I work with clients every day and people think that that's reserved for the wealthy and it's not. And, and they think it's expensive. I'll tell you at Fidelity, it's free. You can work with me for free <laughs> to have a actually craft plans, understand at certain levels, relationships with someone you can come back with. And so sometimes there's this misconception that it is inaccessible. And so therefore I'm never going to learn. And so I won't. And we just don't. And time goes on. And so what I would say is don't be afraid to get started. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you do get overwhelmed, raise your hand, reach out, talk to your friends, talk to your parents, talk to your spouse, talk, just ask the questions. And you might need to be a little bit vulnerable to say, hey, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about this. Can you help me understand? And most people should. And if they don't, you find a different person and they can come and help. (laughs) Find your your people. I think that's yes. the, the biggest part. Find your community. Because yes. I know so often, traditionally, I was shy to ask about money or to ask about investment or, or retirement planning. And so I'm glad that we're having this conversation. And I'm glad that you're having the conversations that you do on a higher level at Fidelity, because I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling like that. Sure. No, no. I mean, there's so many. In fact, most don't know how, you know, it's so the majority of people really don't feel comfortable in this area. And again, like I was saying before that men talk about this on the golf course, and I want women to as well, is there's, I don't know if it's a societal thing where it's it's a taboo, and we shouldn't talk about money. And particularly, you know, we shouldn't talk about how much we make or how successful we are, particularly as women, why it's okay for men to do it, I have no idea. And but it is. It's okay for us to talk about that. It's okay to really have those discussions and, and to advocate for ourselves. But very commonly I hear, you know, and, and you see a lot of it online as well of how do I negotiate a higher salary? How do I make sure, again, we're closing the wage gap, right? And then saying, okay, but then I got the higher salary. I got the bonus. I got the new job. Now what? Right. How do when do I start to engage for a little bit more help? And again, there's so much available online. There's literally nothing you can't do by yourself. And and I do work with a lot of DIYers and they just come to me for validation for what they're doing. Or they say, like, punch holes in my strategy or, you know, is there anything I, I don't know? But also people who say, listen, this is not for me. I need to hire somebody to do this for me. I need some version of professional management. And we have that we have that discussion again not reserved for the wealthy and investing and getting started. I always say this and nobody leaves. It's $1. You can start with a dollar to start getting invested. So it's, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy or super complicated. Save, invest, two-step process. And if you don't know where to turn, ask for help, go online, you know, talk to your people, like I said before. Yeah. Find your people. So it's springtime right now. We just did our taxes. Some of us may be waiting for our tax returns. Keep our fingers crossed on that one. And so my question is like, when that check hits, what can we do with our tax returns? Should we invest it? Should we buy a big giant television? I don't know. Help me out on that one. Uh, (laughs) 
And I think, you know, it's funny that whether it's a tax return or not, what if I did get the bonus? What if I did, you know, who knows what it is? If there's an infusion that you really maybe weren't quite anticipating. And again, if you got your tax return, yay, that means it's a little bit extra that that comes in, which is awesome. And so anytime there's a moment like that, where you say, oh, I have a little bit extra, sometimes a lot extra. And even if it's a little bit, I would always say, take a beat, right? If you have to buy a TV, buy a TV. But at the same time, okay, if we're trying to think about the future and in the context of the future, zoom out a little bit. And rather than maybe just diving into some spending is saying, where is this going to serve me the best? And I always think about this construct in terms of of financial planning in general. And I've, I've said this before many times that I categorize this in the who, the what, and the when. Who are we planning for? Who are the important people in our life? What are we planning for? So what are the goals? Retirement, buying a house, college, things like that. And when are they happening? And then once you know that framework, then you can take a look at what are you actually on track for right now? And whenever, just any time, but also when you have an infusion, you start to say, do I need to make any tweaks? And where is that best served to accomplish what I'm hoping to accomplish at any stage of your life? And so when you have that framework, just take a minute, (laughs) take a second, and then zoom out a little bit. That would be my advice is take a breath, you know? That's so helpful. I'm going to take a breath and think about that one. Take a breath. Zoom out. Yeah, exactly. So Ryan, what are three key takeaways on investment planning that you could share with me given where I am in my retirement journey? I'm 40 years old. We've been saving for, I don't know, 15 years, give or take. What kind of info do you have for me now? Yeah, I would say a couple of them are general, but one is very specific to what's happening in the world right now. And as we start to get to the point where we start to transition, but we've just sort of been in this almost like autopilot, we're on the treadmill, right? Like you started when when you started your 26 and you're trying to figure out where to save, you know, where to save stuff. And now 15 years later, you know, you start to think about, wow, so much has happened in that time frame. And then again, so I would encourage you yourself to go back to that construct. Okay, now, now who are we planning for? Because now there's a couple of kids (laughs) in the picture, right? And we're saying, okay, what's, what am I really hoping to accomplish? Again, is it parents? Is it spouse? Is it kids? It's, you know, what is it? But for you specifically, you know, start to think within that framework, who am I planning for? What am I hoping to accomplish? And when? And so it's the same, same kind of framework. And to say, given that, are you saving in retirement accounts to the maximum that you possibly can? And there are certain IRS limits for that. And then also, especially, do you have a really good understanding of your financial plan with your husband? And if you don't, that's totally fine, but start that. That's what I would say. And then also, as you start to think about anybody, I would say in their 40s or even as you get up to 50s, what are the things that you have access to that you want to make sure that you're capitalizing on? So once saving beyond retirement, where else can you save? What other accounts can you look at? But the other thing that's super specific and has changed pretty drastically in the past year is even going back to, you know, assuming that emergency fund is put in place and that you're, you know, investing beyond that. The interest rate environment has changed entirely 
in a year. So a year ago, that emergency fund that you worked so hard for was probably making very little interest because nothing was really paying, maybe a little bit more than a year. Fast forward now, I mean, there's money markets that pay four and a half percent, four and a quarter percent, four point eight percent, and that is money working for you. So I always say, get the money you've worked so hard for working for you harder, if that makes sense. And so little things like that that can have a huge impact on just making money on your money that a year ago didn't really have to look at, but now definitely have to ensure that things like that are always in place. And then the final thing that I would say is if you feel like you do need help, ask for help, reach out for help, get a second set of eyes, you know, with a professional, if you feel like you want, okay, I want to get organized and I'll leave you with You want to make sure that your financial plan is as simple and streamlined as possible, but as sophisticated as necessary, given what you're hoping to accomplish and your financial situation. And you want to make sure that's where you're at. Sometimes you need a little bit of help. That's okay. That's what we're here for. That's such a good one. Can you say that one more time? I think the listeners would want to hear that again. So you want to make sure your financial plan is as simple and streamlined as possible but as sophisticated as necessary, given your situation. Ooh, that's a good one, Ryan. That's a keeper. I'm taking that one. I'm putting it in my pocket. I'm putting it in my pocket right now. (laughs) There you go. Take it. (laughs) I'm going to keep that one. So Ryan, tell everyone where we can learn more about saving for retirement. Yeah, great question. So you can definitely go online and go to fidelity.com slash planning effect. And that you really can get a sense of what you're on track for, what you're saving for, and really where you stand at the moment. But also if you want to join that community I was talking about before, it's fidelity.com slash women. And you can participate in other you know events that we have or look at the former recordings that we've got of chats just like this. Although this one's been real real fun in particular, I must admit. I had fun too. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.